see in the Lord's house tonight. I appreciate you being uh, faithful to the Lord. And, well, I'm so glad we can come together and just get in the Word. What a blessing that is. And so Mark chapter 6 in your Bibles tonight, tonight Mark chapter 6. And when you find your place, uh, as is our custom, if you would stand, if you're able to stand, if you would stand with us tonight, uh, Mark chapter 6, and we're going to read the same scripture that we read this morning. And then if you'll give me just about five minutes, just for the sake of those who were not in this service this morning, we had folks who were serving in other areas this morning. So if you'll give me about five minutes to just review just a little bit uh, about what we talked about uh, in the service this morning, and then we'll get right into some brand new material tonight. And I don't think we're going to be very lengthy at all tonight. Mark chapter 6, and when you find your place, if you'll look with me, please, to verse number 12. And the Bible says, and they went out, And preached that men should repent. And they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. And King Herod heard of him, for his name was spread abroad. And he said that John the Baptist was risen from the dead. And therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in in him. Others said that it is Elias. And others said that it is a prophet or is one of the prophets. But when Herod heard thereof, he said... It is John, whom I beheaded. He is risen from the dead. For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. For John had said unto Herod, It is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. Therefore Herodias had a quarrel against him and would have killed him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and unholy, and observed him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. And when a convenient day was come, that Herod on his birthday made a supper to his lords, high captains, and chief estates of Galilee. And when the daughter of the said Herodias came in and danced and pleased Herod and them that sat with him, the king said unto the damsel, Ask of me whatsoever thou wilt, and I will give it thee. And he swear unto her, Whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, I will give it thee unto the half of my kingdom. And she went forth and said unto her mother, What shall I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in straightway with haste unto the king and asked, saying, I will that thou give me by and by in a charger the head of John the Baptist. And the king was exceeding sorry. Yet for his oath's sake and for their sakes which sat with him, he would not reject her. And immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head in a charger. Can you imagine that? That's hard to imagine, isn't it? To be that demented. And brought his head in a charger and gave it to the damsel. And the damsel gave it to her mother. And you may be seated this evening. And I want to take just a few more minutes if I could tonight. And I'm so glad I did this. I'm so glad we, we broke it up into two different sessions. And Because I uh, just, you know, just studying this afternoon and looking over some of the material that I want to try to give you tonight... And I think it would have been a, a mistake for us to try to, to rush it all in this morning. 
And uh, so I'll, I'll pray, and then I'm going to review just for about five minutes, and then we'll get right into some brand new material tonight. And so would you pray with me tonight as we pray together? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the wonderful, wonderful day that you've given us at Calvary Baptist Church. You're so faithful to do that on a regular basis. We don't deserve it. Uh, there's not a person in here, including this pastor, and maybe especially this pastor, that does not deserve you. We don't deserve your blessing. But God, you're so gracious. And you're such a merciful God. And we thank you for your blessings, not only on our church, but individually. And Father, we thank you for meeting with us in the service this morning. It was a, it was a, a serious message. Uh, it's, not a, you know, it's not one of those kind of a messages where we're going to shout the house down. Uh, but Lord, it's a message that, uh, Lord, as, as Peter talked about in his epistle, uh, Lord, it was necessary to, to, to put the church in remembrance of these things. And Lord, this is one of those type messages where every once in a while the pastor needs to put the body, the church body, into remembrance of these things. It's been a good reminder for me personally, and I want to thank you for it. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd anoint us tonight now. We pray for, uh, Lord, your breath in this place and your, your blessing and save that one that's lost and encourage that one that's discouraged and, and Lord, that one that... Uh, Lord, the devil may be trying to lead them down, Lord, a, a road to bitterness. I pray tonight, Heavenly Father, that you would, uh, Lord, throw up that roadblock, and I pray that you would divert them from disaster. And so be with us, we pray. We love you, Lord, and praise you, Lord. You're worthy. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake and all God's people said, amen. We said this morning in the service that Herodias uh, could have had anything that she desired to the half of Herod's kingdom. Again, I'm not going to go into all, uh, you know, uh, into the detail that we went into this morning, but, but I do want you to think just a moment. Uh, Herod Antipas is a very, very powerful, powerful man, very wealthy, very affluent, and uh, known as the king in that area, there in that Galilean area. And, and Herodias, basically, Herodias could have asked for anything, and it really was. It was like a blank check to the half of Herod's kingdom. And yet we found this morning that she received a bloody, gory, decomposing head on a plate. And uh, man, I, I mean, this is just, a, it, it, it almost boggles the mind to think that here's a lady that could have had anything. And yet she was just so demented that she wanted this prophet's head on a, in a charger or on a platter. And the reason we said this morning was because she was bitter that a prophet told her and her lustful husband the truth. Now, if you'll give me just a moment just to fill in all the folks who weren't in the service this morning and, and a very tainted story that we read here in Mark chapter 6. Herod Antipas is the ruler of the Galilean area there in that part of Israel. And uh, his uh, daddy is Herod the Great and a very powerful, powerful man. And his brother is a man named, named Herod Philip. And, and Herod Philip was a little bit more up north in a place called Caesarea Philippi. And, uh, and Herodias, Herodias, who really is one of the main stars here in this uh, story, a very wicked, conniving woman. Herodias is their niece. She's their niece. And so she's Herod Antipas, who we're reading about tonight. Herod Antipas, it's Herod's niece, but also it's uh, Philip's niece. And these men are so low that uh, Philip has taken his own niece 
as his wife, and he's married her. But Herod Antipas, his brother, has more power than he has. And so maybe they're at some type of a banquet or they're at some, time of a, some type of a get-together and, and Herod Antipas begins to look at Herodias and Herodias begins to look back at, at Herod Antipas and, uh, and she begins to make Google eyes at Herod. And, and uh, Now, she's already married. She's a married woman. By the way, Herod Antipas is a married man as well. Uh, but how many know that... Uh, and that day it didn't matter, and evidently in this day it's not mattering much. And, and, uh, and so anyway, long story short, long story short, Herod Antipas, who had more power than his brother, took the wife from his brother of less power and made her his new wife. Well, as sure as that happens, the prophet John, John the Baptist, rebukes them for their immoral lifestyle. And we said this morning that Herodias became so bitter and she never got over that bitterness. In fact, look with me, if you will, please, in Mark chapter 6 and verse number 18. For John had said unto Herod, It is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. Therefore, Herodias had a quarrel against him and would have killed him, but she could not. And somebody asked today, preacher, why? And by the way, I appreciate a lot of feedback. Boy, I got a lot of feedback from this morning. And uh, I believe the Lord really spoke to some hearts. And we thank the Lord for that. But somebody said, preacher, why could, uh, why could Herodias not, not kill John the Baptist? Well, one reason, and we brought this out this morning, but uh, Herod Antipas sort of liked John the Baptist. And uh, the Bible says he heard him gladly. And there was something about John that Herod liked. And Herod was a wicked, wicked man, a ruthless leader. But he, he had a liking uh, for John the Baptist. But on top of that, outside of that, Herod was a politician. And, uh, and John the Baptist was very popular among the Jewish people. He was known as a prophet, a prophet of God. And so Herod knew you know what, if he killed John the Baptist, man, that was going to stir things up politically and, and people weren't, was going to make him very popular in the polls. And how many believe that politicians like the polls? Amen. And so because of that, you know what, he didn't want to do anything with John the Baptist. And so because of that, Herodias was somewhat reluctant uh, about uh, trying to, to hurt or to kill John the Baptist. Now we said several things uh, this morning and I'll hit these quickly. Number one, we said that bitterness brought total selfishness. That Herodias had no regard for what might benefit her family. She could have asked anything, but she had no regard for anything that her family wanted. Although her husband sort of liked John the Baptist, she cared nothing about what Herod wanted. Uh, although her daughter was just a damsel and she could have asked for anything that would have benefited her damsel daughter in a great, great way, she, was, uh, she cared nothing about that. And so Herodias was totally self-absorbed and, uh, and selfish to the, to the max and only cared about herself. We said number two, that bitterness not only brought total selfishness, but number two, bitterness brought tunnel vision. And that literally Herodias was consumed with nothing but getting even with John. That's all she thought about, I believe. I believe she got up thinking about it. I believe she went to bed thinking about it. 
And she was so bitter at this prophet of God that it was one of those kind of situations where she said, if it is the last thing I do, I'll get even with this prophet of God. And so we find that bitterness brought tunnel vision. Now let me go just a little bit further than that tonight if I could. How about this, number three, and we're getting ready to find that this thing of bitterness goes downhill from where we were this morning. And we're gonna show you a little bit about that tonight. Bitterness brought terrible consequences. Somebody asked this morning, said, Preacher, whatever happened to, uh, to Herodias? And that's a good question. And although the Bible doesn't really lend to that, uh, we have some historians that do tell us a little bit about that. And we notice here that things did not end well for Herodias, nor did they end well for Herod. How, when Herod, now, now think about this, when Herod took Herodias for his wife, he was forced to put away his first wife. You remember this morning I, I, said, I told you that, that Herod had strong ties to Arabia. Uh, and he could have had any, she could have had any Arabian stallion she'd have wanted. Now, the reason for that was because Herod married the daughter of King Aretas. And King Aretas was the Arabian king. And so Herod married this uh, Arabian king's daughter. But you know what? He got filled with lust. He was no longer contending with her. And so the Bible says he divorced her and he took Herodias. Well, I'm just guessing that this uh, daughter who got cast to the side, went home crying to daddy. And daddy was a king. And now his daughter's honor was besmirched. And so we find in history that, uh, that the king of, of Arabia warred against Herod and won. He actually came in and conquered Herod uh, during this time. Not only that, but we found something else out that, that later down the road, Herodias, again, that conniving Herodias, that Herodias convinced Herod to travel all the way to Rome and to ask for the actual title of king from the emperor. Well, and sure enough, that's what happened. And so Herodias and Herod took off for Rome and they stood before the emperor of Rome. But what Herod didn't understand was his brother, Herod Estibulus, was in, in good with the emperor of Rome. And he had already begun to criticize his brother. This was not a very loving family. And he'd already begun to criticize his brother. And so when Herod Antipas came before the emperor, not only did he not receive the title, but the Bible, but his history tells us that the emperor banished Herod and Herodias from the kingdom. And they went out somewhere in oblivion and eventually died. Now, what's the point? The point is this. Bitterness never turns out well. And how many know this? That what, what goes around comes around. And what you sow, you're going to reap. And you know what? I'm sure the Herodias thought she got away with it scot-free, but my dear friend, God's keeping a record. Amen. And she thought she'd get away with this bitterness and this indifference and this, uh, you know, this uh, uh, hatred, but yet it came back to haunt her. And I want to say tonight, church, that bitter people die a very unhappy death. Now, I want to take just a few minutes as we close the service, and I want to show you some things that God gave me concerning bitterness this week. I want you to take your Bibles, if you will. We're going to turn away from Mark chapter 6, and I want you to turn with me, please, to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. 
And when you find your place, I want you to look for verse number 14, please. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 14. If you found your place, say amen. amen. Now look what our Bible says concerning this thing of bitterness. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 14 says, Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Verse 15. Looking diligently, lest any man... Uh, uh, let, me, let me back up just a minute. If you, if you like to mark your Bible up, this is a good opportunity to do that. And some of you do. I, I do. So if you have your pen or your pencil or your highlighter, I want you to mark several words here. Verse 15 says, Looking diligently... What's the next word? Right. I want you to circle that word or underline it. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Then we notice there's a semicolon there. And then there's that word again, lest. I want you to circle that word. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Then we notice there's another semicolon there. And there's that word again, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that after when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. And I, boy, I've never really noticed this this week. And how many know every time you read the Bible, it's fresh and new. And I was reading it this week, and God began to speak to my heart about this thing. And I notice here that bitterness has three results, or what I'm going to call three symptoms. Or this is what I'm going to call the three lists of bitterness. I want to give those to you real quickly tonight. Three things that come along with bitterness. The first list is this, verse 15. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Oh, you say, preacher, I know what that means. That means if you get bitter, you lose your salvation. It's not what it means. Not what it means at all. Uh, it doesn't mean that if you get involved in evil works that you're going to lose your salvation. My salvation is not dependent upon works. And my salvation is not dependent upon my good works, nor is my salvation dependent upon my evil works. My salvation is dependent upon what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. My sins were judged on Calvary's cross in Jesus' body 2,000 years ago. And thank God when I trusted him as my personal Savior, my sins were forgiven, and I'll never be judged according to my sins ever again. And that deserves a good amen right there. And so that's not what it means. It doesn't mean that you're going to lose your salvation. But I'll tell you what it does mean. It means this, when it says uh, 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 a failing of the grace of God, it means the idea of lingering behind. It's the idea of getting further and further behind. I, I love this. If you, if you study it out, it means to come late or too tardily. Now think, think, and I, I, I'm going to give you an illustration, and I think you'll understand what I'm talking about. It's the idea of when you finally arrive, it's too late to accomplish anything. Lest any man fail of the grace of God. Boy, what an embarrassing illustration I'm going to give you tonight. 
I cherish my friendship with a fellow by the name of Dr. Ray Young. Some of you know Dr. Young and, and uh, wonderful man. We've had him here preach a number, a number of times here at Calvary Baptist Church. We gave him a shotgun one time. Y'all remember that? He has never forgot that. He just thinks that this is one of the greatest churches in the world. Uh, but when I, was, uh, uh, when I was going to college, Bible college, Dr. Ray Young was the vice president of the Bible college that I, uh, that I attended. And uh, now, we're, thank the Lord, we're good friends. And, and uh, Dr. Young and I, we text back and forth. He texted me just the other day. And we stay in contact some. And uh, when we went back several years ago, my wife and I went back several years ago. And this is the honest, goodness, truth. Dr. Young treated us like kings. I mean, just uh, honestly. I cannot even tell you uh, just uh, what a blessing that he's been to my wife and I and to our family. But early, as I had just started Bible college, and Dr. Young was the, the college uh, vice president there, I got a memo in my mailbox one day in the college, and it said, Dr. Ray Young, the vice president of the college, would like to meet with you. Uh, I think it was 7 o'clock in the morning in his office on the college campus. And so I was like, you know, when, when you get a memo like that, you're like, oh, man, I'm either something really good's going to happen or I'm in big trouble. And uh, so anyway... I thought, wow, what in the world, what's that about? Well, you know what? Back in that day, and some of you folks know what I'm talking about, we went to school all day, and we worked all night. I mean, we went to school all day, and we'd get off from school. We'd jump in a car, a carpool. We'd go to work. We'd work, I mean, work into the night and, uh, and come home. And so college days were days when sleep was just not a commodity. I mean, you just didn't, you know, you just didn't get much sleep during college days. And, and any free time you had, you're reading and you're studying constantly. And, uh, and so uh, just to suffice it to say, man, we were just tired all the time. Well, and this is the truth. You can ask Miss Tammy about this. Uh, every morning, I set two alarm clocks every morning of my life. Uh, and... Uh, and I would, I would not put them beside the bed. In fact, I would set one across the room, and then I would put one under uh, the dresser, under the dresser. And so those alarm clocks went off. I'd have to get up, go across the room, turn one off, and get down to my hands and knees and turn the other one off underneath the dresser. And uh, I used to carry, because I hated to fall asleep. I just couldn't stand to fall asleep during preaching time. And, uh, and so I carried a stick pin right there in the lapel of my coat, and I'd start getting sleepy, and I'd start sticking myself, you know, and trying to make sure I stayed awake. I mean, really, I, 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 just, I just wanted to make sure that I, I was on time, and I, and I wanted to make sure that I stayed awake. And by the way, can I just say this? All these many years later, I still want to make sure I'm on time, and I still want to make sure that I stay awake. But on that day, I didn't. I'm scheduled to meet the college vice president at 7 a.m. in his office. I wake up at about 10 minutes till. Well, you know, when you're, when you're that tired, you're trying to think, okay, what day is it? Where am I at? What planet am I on? And, and then I realize, oh, no. I'm supposed to meet with the vice president today. I literally sprung out of bed. I don't know what kind of clothes I put on that day. I just, man, I, I pulled some, some britches on and put a shirt and a tie on and threw a suit coat on and ran out the door and jumped in the car. I wish I could tell you that I drove the speed limit, but I'd probably be lying to you. And, and man, I sped all the way to the college and I ran through the hallways. And just about the time I got to Dr. Young's office, it was time for our meeting to end. 
not for our meeting to start. I'll never forget that day as I came down that corridor where Dr. Young's office was. I remember as I came, Dr. Young was coming out. He was, you know, Brother Young, buddy. And Dr. Young was coming out of his office as I was coming down the hallway. You know what he acted like? He acted like he didn't know what I, he, he acted like he wasn't upset. In fact, he acted like we didn't have a meeting. And as he walked out of the office, he said, oh, hey, Brother Steve, how you doing? And walked on. He didn't say one thing about the meeting. But you know what? We had an understanding. And he knew, and I knew, that I was late for a very important date. And I messed up, and I didn't show up. Now, you know what? I, I told you that story for this reason. Did you know one of these days, the Lord's going to come? And we've got people down in this world that are being so, they're so busy being bitter against somebody or bitter against circumstances. And uh, you know what? That resentment has come in their life and that grudge has come in their life. And the Bible says it'll make you fail of the grace of God. You know what, it, what it's saying? It robs you of the power of God. It robs you of the blessing of God. It robs you of the joy of God. You know what bitterness will do? It'll rob you from doing anything for the cause of Jesus Christ. It'll rob you from having God's blessing and touch on your life. And one of these days, people are gonna get to the end of the road and they're gonna think, man, what have I done? I've missed it. I've missed my opportunity. I've missed my invitation. I've missed the opportunity to do something for Jesus Christ. And so whatever you do, if you're here tonight and the devil's trying to lead you down that road of bitterness, man, let it go. Leave it alone. Forgive and forget and decide tonight that I am going to do something for Jesus Christ. And so we find, first of all, that, that, that bitterness brings a failing of the grace of God. But number two, number two is this. Bitterness produces a root of bitterness. Now look back at our scripture tonight, if you will, please. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 15. And the Bible says, looking diligently. Here's that first lest. Lest any man fail of the grace of God. But here's the second lest. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. And how many, how many know this? It doesn't just trouble you. Look what it says. And thereby, what's it say? Many, many be defiled. That's why bitterness always takes a toll on your family. That's why bitterness always takes a toll on your marriage. Takes a toll on everything. Somebody says, well, preacher, it's just me. It's my business. Nobody else's business. Oh, it's definitely somebody else's business but because it's going to affect a lot of other people other than just yourself. And bitterness produces a root of bitterness. And how many know tonight that roots can cause so much trouble? I thought about this. Roots cause trip hazards. You ever been going through the woods, fellas, getting ready to deer hunt, and you trip over a root? Uh, been going down a trail, and you trip over a root. I thought about this. Roots can break drain pipes and damage septic systems. Roots are just an old, just an old eyesore. I mean, they're just not pretty to look at. I mean, they just, you know, uh, they, they they just don't look good. And 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 how about this? Did you know when there's roots everywhere that it's almost impossible to plant seed 
where roots are in the way. You ever tried to till up some area and it was nothing but a bunch of roots? Did you know you couldn't really take the tiller in there until you got the roots out of the way? And you know what you think? Well, I'm going to plant some corn right here. Not until you get the roots out of the way. You know why? Those roots are going to cause problems. They're going to be in the way until you get them out of the way. And I thought about this. I wonder how many, in how many churches today the seed was not able to be planted because there were roots everywhere and there were preachers, God called preachers that mounted the pulpit with the, with the power of the Holy Spirit and did their best to try to broadcast the seed of the word of God and yet the seed could not be planted because there were so many roots out there that every time he tried to dig, he'd hit a root and he'd try to dig and he'd hit a root and he'd try to dig and he'd hit a root. I'm just telling you, man, it roots cause a lot of problems. We have at our house, we have, we have a concrete drive. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's nice. It's a nice drive. But, but uh, early on when that house was built, they, they planted pine trees all the way down the drive. Those pine trees grew up, way up. Now, we've taken some of them out, out of there now, but too late. You know what happened? Those roots begin to grow. And those roots begin to make their way underneath our concrete drive. And you know what happened to that hard concrete? Those roots begin to break up that concrete and make something that would be so beautiful, make it somewhat ugly. And that's what roots do. And the Bible says when you allow bitterness to come into your life, that bitterness produces a root of bitterness. One last thing and we're done tonight, but I want you to really, really, really hear me out. Number three is this, bitterness leads to immorality. Now look back at our scripture tonight, if you will, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 15. And the Bible says, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. Verse 16, here's our third list lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Brother Tim and I were having this conversation coming to church tonight. What would cause Esau to sell his birthright? You think about that? You know what I really think it was? I think that probably, you know what, Isaac had, had put pressure on Esau and said, Esau, listen, you're the firstborn. I want you out there in the woods hunting. The Bible does say that he loved his venison. Remember that? Daddy's daddy loved his venison. And I think maybe that he told his son, he said, son, get out there and I want you hunting all day today. And, and probably Esau didn't want to be out there. And yet he went out there to try to please his dad. And man, the whole time he's out there looking for deer, looking for meat, looking for something to kill. Man, that bitterness is growing and growing and growing. And I don't want to be here, but daddy wants me to be here. And that bitterness began to grow toward his dad. He comes back in after a long, hard day of hunting. And here's his brother at home cooking pottage. And, uh, and Esau says, man, give me some of that pottage. And, and uh and Joseph says, I'll tell you what I'll do. Or Jacob says, I'll tell you what I'll do. He said, I'll, I'll give you some potties. You sell me your birthright. And I believe that Esau was so bitter at his dad. And by the way, that birthright was the blessing of the father. That he said, you know what? I don't care about that old man. I don't care about his blessing. I just want something to eat. Wait a minute now. Bitterness caused immorality. 
we were talking about uh, coming in tonight. We were talking about Cain. Remember the, what the Bible says about Abel and Cain? The Bible says that Abel, uh, Abel gave an offering, you know, a good offering, yet Cain bought the fruit of the ground, and God refused his offering. And Cain became bitter at Abel. And wait a minute, immorality was bred. Oh, we, we think about immorality always being lust or sexual sin. That's not the only kind of immorality. And we find that, that Cain took a rock or took some type of a weapon and he killed his brother. Now I want to show you, I want to show you with Scripture tonight, I want to show you what bitterness can do. Take your Bibles, we're done. But I want you to take your Bibles, turn with me please to 2 Samuel chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6. And this is why when the devil tries to lead you down that road of bitterness, that you oppose it and repent because eventually bitterness will lead to a life of immorality. Now I want you to look with me please at at 2 Samuel chapter 6 and look at verse number 16. We find here one of the great men of the faith, David. Notice if you will, verse number 16. The Bible says, And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, by the way, David's wife, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. David was so happy they brought the ark back to Jerusalem. And he's just, I mean, just praising the Lord, having a time. And the Bible says, And she despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in his place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And as soon as David had made an end of offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Boy, David's in a good mood here. It says, and he dwelt among all the people, even among the whole multitude of Israel, as well to the women as men, to everyone a cake of bread and a good piece of flesh and a flagon of wine. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. Boy, they're having a good day. Then David returned to bless his household. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, how glorious was the king of Israel today. By the way, she was not being serious. She was being sarcastic. How glorious was the king of Israel today who uncovered himself uh, today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovered himself. Have you ever heard this statement? It's getting ready to hit the fan. The Bible says, and David said unto Michael, it was before the Lord. Oh boy, it's getting ready to get on now. Which chose me before thy father? And before all his house, to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel, therefore will I play before the Lord. In other words, David said, I'll do anything I want to do. And you won't change it, sis. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. I mean, that's I mean, that's that's what's going on. I mean, they're going at it, brother. I mean, they're 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 going at it. And he says, and I will yet be more vile than you, or than thus. And I'll be more vile than thus and will be base in mine own sight and of the maidservants which thou hast spoken of, of them shall I be had in honor. Oh, you're not the only fish in the sea, darling. That's what he's saying. 
He said, if you don't like what's going on here, there might be a, a couple of the cuties out there that do. How many thinks they're having harmony tonight in the David house? I doubt, I doubt it. In fact, look what the Bible says in verse number 23. Therefore, now when you see therefore, you always go back and see what it's there for. They've just had this major, major falling out. In verse 23 says, Therefore Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child unto the day of her death. You know what I believe? I believe that night that relationship got severed. Now, they may have lived in the same house, maybe. In fact, I'm sure they probably did for, for sight's sake or, for, you know, just for the sake of what people might say. But evidently, according to Scripture right there, the intimacy in that relationship vanished that night. And personally, I believe that Michael and David both became bitter. One, two, three, four, Five chapters later. David's on the rooftop. And there's a woman taking a bath. And the Bible says that David looks on that woman, Bathsheba, and lusts after her. You know the story. Commits adultery with her. Gets her pregnant. She's another man's wife. Oh, it's terrible, terrible, terrible. It's all downhill. Wait a minute now. You say, Pastor, what in the world? King David, what happened? You know what happened? Bitterness crept in. Now, wait a minute. Now, what Michael and David should have done, David should, now, I'm not saying that Michael was right, but you know what? They should have just went to their corners for a little bit and cooled off. And then a little bit later, they should have came back and David should have said, Honey, I'm sorry for what I said. And Michael should have said, You know what, sweetheart? I'm sorry too. I was wrong. I shouldn't have disrespected you like that. I'm sorry. By the way, and you know what? And that bitterness could have went away, but they stayed bitter. And that bitterness led to immorality. You're here tonight. The devil brings some things, some, something into your life. Here's, here, here's my appeal tonight. Man, as soon as the devil tries to bring something in, get it right. Man, just get it right. Go to the Lord and say, wait a minute, Lord, that wasn't right thought. I shouldn't have that thought. Lord, I'm getting that right tonight. I'm not going to be bitter. You know what? I, 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 we had some folks today that just the feedback, they said, you know what, preacher said, I'm not bitter against a person, but I'm so bitter against my circumstances. Just, it seems like things in my life are just so crazy right now, and I just, I don't understand. Now, really, church, really, in a way, you know what that is? We're sort of bitter against God. Because the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And so when our circumstances go awry and we say, that's not right, that's not fair, you know what we're saying? God, you don't know what you're doing. But how many know this? God does know what he's doing. And if God allowed it in your life, I don't know why he did, but if God allowed it in your life, God allowed it in your life for a reason and you just trust him and love him and stay sweet and keep a sweet spirit and say, Lord, I sure wish my car wouldn't have blown up, but Lord, if that's what you want, uh, praise the Lord. And Lord, I wish the dog wouldn't have got sick, but Lord, if that's what you want, praise the Lord. And Lord, I wish my roof wasn't leaking, but if that's what you want, praise the Lord. And don't allow bitterness to come in. So the guys out there, He's plowing his old mule. He's got his reins around his neck, you know, and 
and uh, the old mule's just stubborn, stubborn, stubborn. Man, he's pulling and yanking, and and uh, and there's a guy, you know, that comes up and he sees the guy plowing, and he just leans on the fence and he starts watching the old farmer, and the old farmer's trying to yank the mule back this way and turn the mule this way, and I mean the the mule's fighting the farmer and the farmer's fighting the mule and. Uh, and finally, the onlooker said, you know, said, uh, uh, said, Bud, said, I don't mean to get in your business. He said, but if you talk to that mule, say, gee, haw. He said, that mule listened to you a lot better. Farmer said, you know what? You're exactly right. But he said, five years ago, that mule kicked me, and I hadn't spoken to him since. Amen. <laughs> That's a crazy little story. But you know what? That's exactly what's going on in a lot of churches and a lot of marriages and a lot of families. Somebody did something or said something and they haven't spoken since. Well, this is a tough, this is a tough one, isn't it? You say, wow, preacher, it's hard to say amen to. And I say you're right about that. But it's one of those that we need to be reminded of every now and then. Let's deal with our bitterness tonight. Would you bow your heads with me all over the house? Father, thank you so much for this time we've had together this evening. Lord, bitterness is a dangerous, dangerous thing. Lord, it leads to that failing of the grace of God. Lord, it, 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 it makes us come in tardy. Lord, we get to the end of our life and we realize, we, we realize we've missed it. We've missed it. I had so much time I could have served the Lord, and now I've missed it, having a bitter heart and a bitter spirit. Lord, it brings up that root of bitterness that causes a trip hazard, not only to ourselves but to others around us. Lord, it keeps the seed from being planted, not only in our heart and lives, but maybe the hearts and lives of our children. God, uh, the hearts and lives of our family. But Lord, that bitterness leads to eventual immorality. And Lord, it causes us to stumble and fall. Lord, tonight, help us to be so careful about this thing of bitterness. Oh, Jesus, help us tonight to forgive. Help us to forget. Help us to go on. Help us to go forward. And uh, Lord, help us not to hold on to hard feelings. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you'd do a work of grace in my life tonight, in the lives of our people. And we thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name. And our heads are bowed. Let's all stand all over the house tonight, if you will, please. The pianist is going to play. And if God spoke to your heart and you need to come tonight, listen, the altar is wide open this evening. Oh, listen. Man, let's do business with God tonight. Do business with God. Don't walk out of here with any resentment in your heart at all. Let's do business with the Lord. You come tonight. While we wait, you come.